Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the First and Fifteen Podcast. I'm Joel Pulliam, and um, if this is your first time listening, the first, it comes from um, the right to free speech, and the 15th, it comes from the right to vote. You know, combine them, you get, you know, the name First and Fifteenth. Um, quickly, what I wanted to talk about today was violence in our country. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, this past July 4th weekend, we had shootings in Philly, in Texas, uh, Baltimore. It, it was out of control where you had, you know, kids being killed, innocent people being shot. And I don't need to tell anybody this, but we we as a nation, we're out of control. And if you look at this year, nearly 14,000 people have been killed by gun violence already. And that kind of equals, and this is according to the Gun Violence Archive, right? So I, I want to state where it comes from. And that is about 115 deaths a day. Think about that. 115 lives taken, 115 futures ended just like that, snuffed out um, because of a gun. And the numbers, it says that 491 teens have been killed and 85 children. And you might think, oh, well, we have, you know, 335 million Americans, that's not a lot. But A, first of all, you're missing a heart because one child being killed, one teenager being killed should ruin everybody's day, let alone 491 teens and 85 children. And not only that, you look at other developed nations around the world, they don't come close to the gun violence that we have or violence just in general. Uh... And I think, obviously, the, the big elephant in the room is guns, right? Uh, I mean, it's two sides. I mean, there are other reasons why, but we'll get to that. But the issue of guns and gun rights and, you know, for those who, who don't know me, I am against, you know, military-style weapons. Uh, I don't think those should be on the streets. And, you know, people are like, oh, well, we should be able to own it. Look. I'm not saying that there aren't responsible gun owners, but if you can't, it's kind of like the death penalty. But if you can't assure that these things will be used properly, then I'm against it wholesale. Uh, and, and it's weird how our country, we're, we're infatuated with violence. We're infatuated with uh, weapons, with guns. And then it's kind of turned into a, people can't even give you a logic of why they love them. It, it's the whole American attitude of, um, well, you can't tell me what to do. So I'm going to collect more of them. Uh, I remember that I think a study came out and said that when Obama was elected president, like it jumped up by like a major percentage like of, of gun, guns being bought. And we obviously know what that's for. But this country now we've reached a I hate to say we've come numb to it, but we have the day like someone said, like the day those kids could be shot in Sandy Hook and we just let it, you know, what I'm saying like. We just forgot about it. We didn't pass anything. It's the day we were too far gone. We look at Uvalde. Uh, 19 kids killed in a school. And come November, people still vote these same people back into office. And it makes no sense. Uh, but our country's always been in love with violence. And I think we have to acknowledge that too. I mean, since its beginning, like... I mean, think about it. Violence against Native Americans, violence obviously against black people. We've been infatuated. It's how it's how we have solved all, all of our issues. Like from the first slaves being taken over here 
from the first treaty being broken, all this country has done is inflict violence on people in, in a way to dominate the, the, you know, manifest destiny. You know, the Spanish-American War, the Mexican-American War, like all the, is violence. This country was built on violence. So, you know, you reap what you sow. You sow those seeds of violence and that is what we're getting today. Again, you know, we're still the same country that's behind the lynchings, that's behind, you know, slave trade, that's behind massacres, the Trail of Tears. Everything we've ever gotten, it's been by force, by physical force, by intimidation. And so when you build a foundation on that, again, what we get today is the only, it's the logical conclusion of building your country like that. And because bigots throughout American history and those who are ignorant haven't been able to use their words or uh, there's no logic to their, to their thinking, the only thing they can resort to is violence. See, most times violence is a logical conclusion for those who can't use their intellect, for those who, who don't use logic, for those who only go off emotion. And and I'm not and, and I'll make this point later on. There are some people where violence is also an outcome from their circumstances, from their communities. And so I'm not saying that. I'm saying for those who are bigoted, for those who cling to their guns, like Obama said, and he I'm I wish you'd have never apologized for it. But uh that for people who are, who are ignorant like that and they believe in this gun culture. A lot of people are like that and they love violence because, again, they're not using their intellect. They're only thinking with emotion. When you have to use by force, when you have to beat people down to get things, that means to me that's that's not manliness or machismo. That that means you're not using your intellect. That means you can't sit down and have a conversation with somebody. And it's, it's a, a way of thinking we have to fix. Everything can't be by force. Everything can't be, oh, I'm going to control you by intimidating you. That's weakness to me. Now, there has been times where the government, right, they've, they've tried to stem the tide of violence, um, whether it was uh, passing the Violence Against Women Act, whether it was passing the Brady Act, uh, even the, the federal assault weapons ban, right? And, and during those, it was like over a decade where there was a, a federal assault weapon ban, like gun violence went down a lot in this country. So it shows that it's not an unsolvable, you know, task. It's not like a problem we can't have a resolution to. We can have a country free of gun violence, but you also have to have, you know, fortitude and the want to from those in power to actually pass legislation that takes guns out of the hands well, military weapons off the streets and guns out of the hands of people who don't need them. I also want to talk about, um, because I said earlier that there's another side to this, right? The part we, we don't talk about enough when it comes to violence is who's hurt most by gun violence, right? It's not the people you see on magazine covers or on TV, because a lot of times, I'm going to be honest, they're white people, right? They're white students, they're white moms. And that's not to say that white people aren't hurt by gun violence, but they're not the ones hurt most by gun violence. Um, and I think the shame in that is that, again, 
it makes the people hurt who look like me, the people who are hurt the most by violence and gun violence, it makes them invisible. You know, and sometimes it does frustrate me. I remember, um, you remember the shooting at uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas, the high school in Florida, um, where that massacre happened. Uh, I remember that the black students there actually held a press conference because they felt ignored when it came to the coverage. And I agreed with them. Um, I remember the Time magazine had the students from the high school. And while obviously my sympathies are with them and I can't imagine what they went through that day. So I'm not trying to like diminish their experience, but just the fact that you just see one color on the front of that magazine and you don't see students who probably outside of that day have experienced additional, you know, instances of gun violence, right? I'll speak for myself. Like, I know multiple people who've been killed by gun violence. Most people I know, if not everybody I know, like within my community, know somebody who's been a victim of gun violence. And, but they're never on the front cover of magazines. It's always that black people, like in this country, we can never be the victims of violence, right? We're only the perpetrators of violence. The lens is never, it's just like the whole drug epidemic. No one ever saw it as a crisis of, hey, there are a lot of black people who, there's mass incarceration, they're living in these conditions, and they need help. It was always, well, they're selling crack. And so when it comes to gun violence, no one ever says, oh, man, these people, this community, they're victims of gun violence. They're, they're victims of police violence. They're victims of a society that has forgotten about them. No, it's always, well, they're the perpetrators of all these things. And that's what frustrates me the most. And the crazy part is even when you see, like, you know, the commentary on, oh, you know, Chicago or what about the violence in, in Detroit? And shout out to Detroit, you know, my birthplace. You know, they name all these cities, Baltimore. And it's never because they actually care about the city or the victims is just a, a talking point is it's just uh look at those animals over there look at those criminals it's never oh they're also victims of 400 years of violence imposed upon them because let me tell people like violence in, in marginalized communities it's only a result when you okay there's a scripture that says like men without vision they perish when you have no hope when you have, uh, no, you don't have clean water, you don't have the same education, you don't have the same resources, you don't have the same job opportunities. I'm reminded of a pot, a Tupac uh, uh, lyric where he says, you know, he's hungry and he's looking for a purse to snatch. No one's saying that is right, but if if I'm waking up hungry, if I'm waking up and I don't feel like anyone cares about me, that. That's the reality of the human condition. That's human nature. Anybody, if white people had suffered the same things as black people, it would be the same circumstances. And that's the point I'm trying to, to get across is that we're only a lot of times, we're just results of the circumstances. And that the position we're in, if you're listening to this and, and a four bedroom, two story house, consider yourself very blessed 
because things could have went in some other way. Right. A lot of things have to line up for us to be in the position we're in. And so a lot of times we look down on people and look down on communities, not realizing what they've had to overcome. And that a lot of people, they don't know what it's like to go to bed hungry. They don't know what it's like when when they don't have parents. They don't know what it's like when you got to go to school and fight for your life. They don't know what it's like when you have to be at home alone because your mom's working two jobs. And so it's very easy to judge people when it comes to violence within these cities without realizing, you know, everything that builds up towards it. It's not just because people in these cities or these communities are just angry or, or, or just naturally prone to violence. No one's naturally prone to violence. But society can make you a certain way. And it's crazy to me that we don't look at now we don't look at January 6th. Those people on there, we don't look at them as violent offenders, as animals. You know, but you'll look at people who live in Chicago, who live in Detroit, who live in St. Louis, who are most times just victims of violence. You'll look at them as, oh, they're they're wild. They're out of control. And it's like, again, like I said, like the whole war on drugs. And that's why even when it comes to crime in this country and, and why I want Democrats to be careful is that some, some of the language I hear, especially during the midterms, like, oh, we're not, we're not with the funding of police. We want to give police more money. Uh, we want, we're tough on crime. I just don't think it works like that. You can't be them and then defeat them. You can't regurgitate Republican talking points on crime and beat them at that. That's their game. And what you do is you you feed into a vicious narrative and and people they they learn to fear black people or they're taught that oh black people are wild and and and, and violent and you feed into that stereotype every time you you give into those Republican talking points. And like even our sympathies for people, right? Um <clears throat> Black children are killed at a way higher rate than white children. And any time a white child or a child of any color is killed, it's a tragedy. But I'm saying our outlooks on it. We don't see those black children trending on Twitter. You know what I mean? Their names, they're usually nameless, faceless. We just say, oh, another three people were shot in this city, you know, and we just move on. Like it's a regular part of life when they don't, when a lot of people don't realize black people don't want to live like that. You know what I mean? And we say, I want to address the whole black on black crime thing for once. Um, whoever you're in proximity to, that that's who you're going to commit a crime against. There's white on white violence is a thing. And more white people commit violence on white people than black people on white people. Right? It's just that white people have better resources and their circumstances for the most part are way better than those from from other communities. And maybe that's why their their the rate of violence in those communities are lower. It's because you got more money, you got more resources, more opportunities, better education, better health care, more food. So, you know, that kind of equates to less violence when you have hope. And I'm sorry, I can't hear any any preaching from a nation that has inflicted violence on my people and have been the biggest perpetrators of violence around the world. We're not trying to hear any of that. 
You can't speak down on any communities when you're behind Iraq. You can't speak down on people when you're behind Vietnam. Like those, for all the domestic things, LBJ was a great president domestically, but the foreign policy, awful. Like for all the things that you've inflicted upon the world and on your own people, you are in no position to talk to anybody about violence. And people wonder why it falls on deaf ears a lot of times when people preach about violence is that you can't be the perpetrator of that violence and then speak to the victims about it. It doesn't work like that. Black people are not trying to hear that. Because it's hypocrisy in this country. Like if no one wants to say it, I'll say it. It's hypocrisy. And honestly, you know, I'm not, I'm not the only one who thinks that. Black people know this. You, you can't be a country to where police kills its citizens, they choke out citizens, they body slam citizens, pistol whip citizens. Heck, in Mississippi, what, there were two instances of, of what was it, two people, two black people who, uh, were, one was sexually assaulted, one was shot in the mouth by police officers, and all they, that was done to them was that they were fired. So you're going to tell me a nation that allows police officers to uh, violate people's personal rights, to kill them, to beat them up, jump them, that's going to talk to my community about violence, it's not going to work. I think the only way to fight against violence is that you got to meet people where they're at. And, and you have to solve the circumstances that lead to violence. So until you can feed people, until you can ensure people work, until you can close a racial wealth gap, until you can stop mass incarceration, until you stop the school-to-prison pipeline, until all these things are solved, violence will continue to be an issue within my community. And you have to get the guns off, off the streets. The guns, not only off the streets, out of the hands of people from all communities. You have to get military weapons, because I want people to, to, to get my words right. Military-style weapons should not be on any street. I don't care if it's in Detroit. I don't care if it's in Tucson, Arizona. I don't care if it's in Seattle. I don't care if it's in some sub suburb of Miami. I don't really care. No one should have a military-style weapon. And I felt led to make this podcast because, like, my heart breaks anytime I, well, any American dies from gun violence, but especially, you know, within the black community. Every time I see, you know, a brother killed by a police officer or a sister um, killed by a gun and within an act of domestic violence, like, it breaks your heart because there's already too much inflicted upon black people. We don't need more black people killed. You know, and I think a lot of times in, in, in a moment of transparency, I even have to catch myself in, in the way I think about things. You know, um, obviously, I just talked about the, the things that the government can do and the circumstances that are out of people's control that lead to violence. But I think on a personal level, I think as an individual, you have to really work on changing just your outlook on life and how you solve issues, right? There's sometimes I'll have to catch myself. It's gotten a lot better. Like, I'm not a violent person, but I, I used to have a bit of a temper. But I had to change 
uh, my mindset. I had to change my outlook on life. I had to change the words that I said because deep in my heart, I don't want to cause, I never wanted to cause harm to anybody or anything like that. And to be honest, that's not even me. Like, you know, I like to read books and comics and history and things like that. And honestly, I think in every person, no one inherently likes violence or anything like that. So it's like, yeah, you have to watch the words you say, even if you don't mean it like that. Again, even if you're just joking or, or what you think in your head, you have to really, you know, check yourself. I, I didn't want a world where anyone's harmed. Like, I want everyone to live their best life. Um, I want people deserve that. And so I want my, my thoughts and I wanted the words that I said to match up to that. And I'm not like perfect or anything. I'm not saying like, like I aspire to be like James Lawson and, you know, Dr. King and John Lewis and Diane Nash and all those heroes of mine. But, you know, it's still a work. You have to work daily at it. And so I'm not above anyone when it comes to that. I just think we have to look free think of even when it comes to machismo and what is it to be a man? What is it to be strong? And, and that using your hands or using a weapon it, it, it proves nothing. And I know it sounds like, oh, that's corny. But like violence only begets violence. Like it's not something I want to let people know. Like in some communities, if you get on, you get at somebody, they're going to get you back. It's not like a thing like, oh, we'll just shake hands and be over. It just doesn't work like that. So it's best to avoid violence at all costs. I've seen too many people like, People I went to school with, people in my family, their lives snuffed out or their talent, their potential not met because of gun violence. Millions of people, you know, in human history because of gun violence, you know, whether it be in wars, whether it be on the street every day. Like, you never know. It could have been the next Martin Luther King, but they're dead. You know, like. Every human deserves to see that their book written out to the very end and not have it ended in the second or third chapter. Every human deserves to see the script of their life played out so we can see the finale. No one deserves to die at 20 or 35. I, like you see a 12-year-old shot and killed, a 14-year-old shot and killed. It's like... What are we doing right now? And so that's why I say like violence is just one of those things of. We have to change our outlook on what we aspire to be. And I'm not going to blame, you know, television. I'm not going to blame video games like so many people want to do instead of blaming guns. We have to take a look within ourselves as a nation. Of well before video games. People were getting killed by guns. Right. <laughs> Well before The Godfather or any of those good fellas were, were put in movie theaters, people were getting shot. Hence, they were the inspiration for those movies. There's a country where we fought a civil war over slavery with guns. So it's not because of uh, media or movies or video games. No, nah, that's not why. But I do want to challenge whoever's listening to... Really reflect on who you see as victims of gun violence and who you see as perpetrators of gun violence 
because um, most people have it totally wrong. And, and you have to acknowledge when it comes to from the foundation of this country, you know, white domestic terrorism and violence, that has been the main source of harm inflicted upon people. And, and now, tragically, since gun violence has permeated every, you know, community in America, every corner of America, um, maybe, you know, we can turn our attention to communities that have been overlooked when it comes to gun violence, to victims who have been overlooked, and we can change and direct our sympathies towards every American when it comes to shootings in America. Also, another thing is we need, on an individual level, really think about those principles of nonviolence, of how to solve things without resorting to, like, we're, we're, we're taught at, a, at even a young age, like, fighting. And, you know, I'm not saying that kids shouldn't be spanked, and I'm not into, you know, whether you discipline your kids or whatever. All I'm saying is that we have to also teach kids at the very youngest age that putting hands on people or things like that, that's not the way to always or to solve any time your issues. That can't be the first resort. And that's for all Americans. Um, and so we need, on a macro level, the government can do a lot, again, with guns and with the circumstances that a lot of these communities are living in, changing that. But on a micro level, an individual level, we can change the way that we think and how we respond to conflict. You know, we, I just, it, it breaks my heart. That's all I can say, man. It, it, it takes a piece out of you every time you see something on the news or social media about another person dying, you know, whether it's at a mall, whether it's at a school, whether it's on the street, whether it's on a block party. It breaks your heart every time. And, and, and a lot of it also comes from growing up. A lot of people are taught not to think highly of themselves. So they think of themselves as, as expendable. They'll think of other people as expendable. So I also want to encourage people, especially within my community today, that you're worth, you're worth everything. And that your peers and other people in the community, they're worth everything too and that every person is worthy of life of of success you know to be who they are meant to be who God called them to be and so that's just something I hope that if you're listening or that you if you know somebody you send it to them and, and hopefully it gets to them and again I talked about it before that you know I know a lot of people who um they either know somebody who's a victim of gun violence or they're a victim of gun violence. And I want to leave you with this. Um, if you've ever had trauma from violence, whether it's like physical uh, harm or life-threatening harm, you can always call, um, it's S-A-M-H-S-A. And it uh, stands for the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. And all you have to do is 24-7, you call uh, 1-800-905-5990. So it's 1-800-905-5990 and it's anonymous because a lot of people deal with trauma due to violence and they don't talk about it and it only, uh, it only helps keep the cycle up. So if you ever ha are having problems with that or you know someone who's dealt with that, 
please call that phone number. Again, it's 1-800-905-5990. And I just want to encourage you, if you're listening, you know, please hit the subscribe button. We're just trying to get this message out to as many people as possible. I'm not really a, a podcast person, but this is one of the avenues I can use to reach people. Um, and also, you know, leave comments below, you know, you can tell me what you would, what concerns you or, you know, what your opinions are so we can, you know, get the community involved and just want to tell you, thank you for listening. And if, if no one's told you, know that I love you and, uh, always end with this one thing is that, um, there's nothing wrong with being upset about this country because passion only means one thing that you're still alive. God bless.